So today I would ask you to, I'd like to ask you to open your Bible because uh, we're going to jump around Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. And uh, I'm not going to put the verses in front so not to, not to confuse you or, you know, para hindi mahilo. So, so we're going to look at the rewards and risks of being in fellowship with, with other Christians. And I want to say this first about fellowship. You know, I, I used to think that fellowship is just an extra thing in the Christian life. You know, we, we always talk about worship, we talk about prayer, uh, and the Word of God is very important. And fellowship is some sort of a, you know, an appendix. Like, okay, I, I, sometimes I would like to fellowship with Christians. Sometimes I don't want to fellowship with other Christians. Um, and I heard that uh, from some other people that I've known over the years that they said they wanted to, they, they are committed to Christ. They say they are Christians. They read their Bible, pray. But some of them tell me, a uh, particular person that I know also at work back then, he said he is a Christian, but he does not like Christians. He does not like to go to church. He doesn't even go to church at all. And, and for me, I thought, okay, that's an, maybe a fellowship is just optional. But what I'm finding out more and more as I study the Word of God, fellowship is an essential, vital part of the Christian life. That if you are not concerned with fellowship, meaning it's not, if that is not important to you, chances are you are heading to hell. Chances are, and there's a big possibility, that you are not even a Christian. And you need to think this seriously. Because if you love God, if you are a child of God, you also love His people. Amen? God died for you, died for us, died for the church. Are you not going to be concerned with that, 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 that these are the people Christ died for, gave his life for? And if you don't, have, you don't have any care for church and fellowship, the only explanation there is that you are not a Christian. And you're going to go to hell. That's why you need to talk to God about this seriously. That's why for people who think that it's optional to go to church, you have to, ask, you have to ask the most important question. Am I a Christian? You have to ask that. Because that is the explanation. Because how can you not love God's church and God's people if you have the Spirit of God in you? Think about that. You have the very Spirit of the living God indwelling in you. It's impossible that you're not going to love. If you're a Christian, it's impossible that you're not going to love the church. Impossible. It doesn't make sense at all. It doesn't make sense. And, and so that's why this is really important. This message is important for us. You know, the word fellowship, koinonia in, in, in Greek, there's definitions, different definitions, but but we can just go through different things quickly. You know, it also means participation, 
uh, sharing in sharing what is common, um, contributing, making a contribution. Another word that's not common is partnership. Meaning fellowship is really contributing to the work of God, contributing to the gathering of believers, meaning contributing your time, your talent, your treasure, your thinking, your, you know, everything about you, you are contributing to the body of Christ. That's fellowship. Meaning it's not just drinking coffee with someone, talking about the weather. You know, some people think that's fellowship, and you're having fun, ha, 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 smiling, oh, having a good time. Then when you're, once you're done with, with maybe 30 minutes of conversation, you go home, that's not fellowship as the Bible describes. Fellowship is investing your life in other believers, in investing your life in the church, investing your time, your money, your, your everything about you. Because this is your family. This is your eternal family in the Lord. In fact, in Scripture, they are even much closer to the church than to their own family. In fact, time will come that your own child, your own mom, will want you dead. Because, you know, your faith in Christ. As we know from Revelation, that even your own family will go against you because you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And who is on your side? Who's going to be supporting you? Who's going to be your family this time? It's the church. So be prepared that you're gonna with this because you're gonna see one, one another. You're gonna look on one another's face. You're gonna see each other not only in this life but for all eternity. You're gonna see Clay's face for all eternity. So be, be prepared for that, or Carlo, or David. <laughs> Imagine for all eternity, you're gonna see his face a million years, for a million years. So you need to be ready for that. So. Partnership also is another word that describes it. We are partnering with one another. We are partnering with you so that you can be successful as a Christian, being able to walk according to the will of God, that God is going to use your marriage, God is going to bless you through your work, you know, use you as a missionary. So we partner with people. I partner with you so that you can do what God calls you to do. That's why when we do Bible studies, it's not just a random Bible study. Your Bible study leader is partnering with you, preparing you for what God has planned for you and purpose you. These are not random things we do. The Bible studies, they don't last long. That's why I, when the life group stays too long, meets too long, it's, not, it's a bad idea. Because it means you are not accomplishing the will of God anymore. You're supposed to meet for a life group for a short time, and afterwards, release you to start your own life group or start your own Bible study. That's the goal. But if you're a life group and you're meeting for 10 years, something is wrong there. Something is wrong. Those people are not growing in their faith. They're stagnating in their faith. That's why life groups meeting for a long time is not a good thing. It's a bad thing, in fact. Because those people are just contented listening but they're not doing anything else for Christ. I hope they do, but many are not. So there's always a purpose. Jesus, by the way, he only spent three years. Think about that. He only spent three years with his disciples. Then after three years, what did he do? Left them. 
Peter was not even ready, but he became the leader of the early church. But he was not ready yet, but, but, but according to God's agenda, he's ready. So, so what are the rewards and risks of fellowship? Let's start with the rewards. Start with the rewards of fellowship. The first reward of fellowship, according to Corinthians, based on what we're going to find out in this, in this chapter, or uh, book of First Corinthians is worship. First Corinthians eleven twenty. Let's let's we're gonna celebrate this today, the Lord's Supper later on after the message. First Corinthians eleven twenty. It is in the fellowship of believers that we practice the Lord's Supper. It is in the fellowship of believers, and the practice of the Lord's Supper is worship. It says in First Corinthians eleven. 11.20 here, says here, when you come together, you know, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. Paul is saying that when you come together, we practice the Lord's Supper. Unfortunately, during the time here in Corinthians, they, they abuse that practice. They abuse the, the ordinance of the Lord's Supper. In fact, they use it to, to fill themselves, magiging busog na busog na, that other people are not able to eat already because the Lord's Supper during this time, were, they were really eating real food. Hindi lang kay, they don't just eat the little cup and the, and the little bread. It was real meal. But unfortunately, people back then, the, the bad thing that they did was that they, some people ate too much that others are not able to eat. But, but it's clear here that when you come together, that's when you practice the Lord's Supper. And that's why uh, you notice that in verse 23, that is really the verse that we read every Sunday. For the, uh, every Sunday we practice or we celebrate the Lord's Supper. For I received from the Lord what I delivered to you, the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and he had given thanks. So you're familiar with this portion here. So, so, it is in the fellowship that we celebrate the Lord's Supper and it is an act of worship to God because you are remembering what Christ has done for us on the cross. His death, His burial, His resurrection, His blood shed for us. It's an act of remembrance. It's not, there's not, nothing magical about it. The, 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 the blood or the juice or the wine does not turn into blood or, or the bread doesn't turn into the actual flesh of Jesus. We don't believe that. But it's an act of remembrance. It's very clear from that passage. Do this in verse uh, 24. What does it say there? Do this in remembrance of me. So it's an act of remembrance. That's an act of worship. Another thing also when, when, when we gather, we also worship the Lord through music, through teaching. Let's, let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 24. So what I did, I just went through the entire chapter, a book, and find those verses that talks about worship as a body of believers in fellowship. 1 Corinthians 24, 14, 24. You notice here, it says here, but if all, but if all prophecy and an unbeliever, but if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an outsider enters, he is convicted by all and called to account by all. The secrets of the heart disclose. Is this the right verse? Have I got the right? Oh no, sorry, it's 26. Sorry, 26. Verse 26. What then, brothers, when you come together, when you come together in fellowship, each one has a hymn, as a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, an interpretation. Let all things be done for the building up. For the building, for building up, meaning building up 
the body of Christ, building up the church, building up your spiritual life. So you notice, it is when you come together, you, you sing a hymn. In our case, we sing this worship songs. Worship uh, music, worshiping God. We, we do it when we, were when we were gathered together. We have a lesson, like what we're doing today. There's also a revelation, maybe, back, because back then there were multiple speakers. There were multiple preachers, not just one person speaking. So they have different kinds of revelation. And in fact, back then, there's a practice of the speaking in tongues, but it was done in a right way, as opposed to being done today in a, in a wrong way. Uh, but, in a, but you see, all these things are being done uh, during the fellowship of believers, whenever believers gather. Um, and, and there's a verse here uh, that Josh, uh, it was a, this was Josh's favorite verse uh, last, last time when we did the graduation uh, recognition. Verse 40, but all things should be done decently and in order. And that verse of jo that Josh uh, shared, when his, his uh, key verse, talks about worship. The worship must be done in order. Worship must be done uh, decently, meaning we do, because back then everyone wants to talk, everyone wants to share, and it becomes very chaotic. Everyone wants to, wants to say something, but in this church, we try to follow this orderly pattern. That's why you have an order in worship. Like, you know, Clay comes in, opens the service, you, you sing a couple of songs in an order, orderly way, then, then you have uh, the time of the tithes and offering, then the reading of scriptures, then the preaching, then we have, you know, Lord's Supper. So, so we're trying to obey this command we're in, in the, when we do that, when we have uh, order in our worship. So, so that's one thing, that's one of the rewards of fellowship, is that God calls us, calls us to worship. Another reward of fellowship is love. Love. You know, it is through the fellowship that you express your love to God. Let me, let me ask you this. Do you really love the Lord? Do you really love the Lord? How do you know? How do you know you love the Lord? Can you hug him? No. Can you kiss him? No. Kiss him on cheek, of course. <laughs> can you? Can you? Can you? Um, can you tell him personally? Maybe you can say that in prayer. Lord, I love you. Lord, I love you. You can do it in prayer. How do you? How do you? Sh how do you? What, what's your proof? Basically, what's your proof that you love the Lord? You obey. You read His Word. Spend time in prayer. But did you know that it is the fellowship that expresses your love for God? And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. That brother there is not some random person. If you look at other translations, it is your brother or sister Christ. Is specifically that commander is for you to love your brother and sister in Christ. That is how you show your love for, for, to God. Now, if you go back in verse 20, in the, just the, back, the prior verse, if anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother in Christ or sister in Christ, what does it say there? He is a liar. 
For he does not love his brother whom he has seen. Oh no. And cannot love God. Uh, seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. I mean, it's a very simple logic. If you cannot love a brother or sister in Christ whom you, cannot, whom you can see, how can you say you love God whom you do not see? That's a very simple logic. If you say, you know, you love your brother, but are you, you know, you, but you're not loving him. He's someone you see. And you say you, you love him. So that's important. Really important. And this is a serious matter. Because a true believer will love the church and will seek to love other believers. First Corinthians thirteen. Let's let's go to chapter thirteen. Of course, evidence of, of our love for God is our obedience to Him. Obedi- obedience to God. 1 Corinthians 13 is known as the love chapter and is used in weddings, used in many, uh, many romantic situations. But I know you as a church already know this, and I hope you, you know this, that it's had, it has got nothing to do with romantic relationship. Of course, you can apply it there, but the context of this Corinthians 13 is really your relationship with other Christians. This is not talking about marriage, wedding, love, boyfriend, girlfriend. Yes, it can be used there, but that is not the point. That's not the point of this passage. The point of Corinthians 13, the love chapter, is really your love with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. That's the point there. Let me read this to you. Joey just read it earlier, but let's go through this chapter again. It says there, if I speak in tongues... Of men and angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbals. Meaning, for me, in preaching here, it's not because of whatever reason why I'm preaching. My, my preaching here is because of my love for you. That my desire for you is you, you grow in your faith, you love the Lord as well, and you're able to live according to the will of God. It's not because of any other reason. It says here, if I have prophetic powers, even though I understand the mysteries, all knowledge, but I, and I have all faith, so that I can remove mountains and have that love, I am nothing. If I gave away all I have, even my own life, if I give my own life, but have not love, my body burned, I gain nothing. And this is what love is. Love is patient. This tells us that we as Christians here, we need to be patient with one another. This is a command for the church. This is a command for the church. This cannot be removed from the, from the fellowship. Because some people might use this for their own personal say, I need, Lord, help me to be patient. Help me to be loving. Help me to do good to others. This doesn't apply in that situation. It can, but it's not the direct application. The direct application for this is that you are to be patient with your brothers and sisters. This is not talking about your co-workers, your co-employees, your, your friend at work or something. 
This is talking about patience specifically with your brother and sister in Christ. That you are to be kind to one another. That you are not to be envious with one another. You know, we are all growing as a Christian. There is still immature Christian in the church. There are mature Christian in the church. And there is still the, te- the tendency to be envious with one another. But, we look. but let's not do that. Let's not be jealous with one another. Let's not be boastful to one another. Let's not be arrogant with one another. Because that is what, this is what love means. You know, this, there's nothing here about, Oh God, I love you. I feel you. I feel you. I love you. That's not how it works. You get into this lie thinking that your love for God is emo- it's an emotional thing. Yes, there could be an emotional part of that. But at its core, love is obedience to these things. Emotion is only secondary. If you are not patient, if you're not kind to one another in the church, walang silbi yung, God, I love you, God, I love you, God. You are a hypocrite when you do that. Probably don't ever do it. If you don't love your brother and sister in your, in your prayer time, you say, I love you, Lord. Don't do it because you're just lying before God. This is the test of how much you love God. If you're patient with your brother in Christ, kind to them, you don't envy, you don't boast, you're not arrogant, you're not rude. You don't insist on, on your own way. You're not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing. It rejoices in the truth. We don't rejoice when our brother or sister in Christ fails. When they have problems, we don't rejoice in that. In fact, we want to encourage them, build them up. Love bears all things. We know what bear mean, bears mean, right? We are, we, even though somebody hurts you in church, somebody offends you in church, you're still willing to maintain that relationship. Even someone, you know, does something against you, you still love that person. You still want to relate with that person. You're not going to run away from that person or, or some people like what they do. They say, I'm not going to go to the church anymore because I was offended. You know, pastor offended me. He didn't smile at me. I'm not going to go to church anymore. That's not, that's not love. You see, the mindset of love Scripture is very different from the world. It's like night and day. Because the world thinks about love, it's all feelings, emotions, you know. What they call this? Tolerance. Oh, you have to accept me for what I am. Nope, that's not what love is in Scripture. The love, love in Scripture is very different. Believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. That is a loving thing to do. When you do endure all things, when you, when, you, when you go through a trial, when you as a church, you go through a difficult time and all of you remain united, no one, everyone will say, Pastor Al, we're, 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 we're in this together. Even in this difficult time, we're going to be committed. Kahit mahirap yung sitwasyon, kahit there's a lot of problems, we're going to be in this, in this together. We're going to endure through this trial. We're going to endure. Kahit wala kayong building, we're going to endure. <laughs> You know, that is a loving thing to do. Especially as families, think about this, enduring in the midst of struggle. You're, not, you're united, kahit maraming problema, but you're united and, and you hope that something good is going to come out of it. 
That is a loving thing to do. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, they will pass away. For what we know in part, we prophesy in part. Paul is saying that right now we don't understand everything fully because you know, we're still in this flesh. But when the time comes later on, when the perfect comes, the partial will, will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up my childish, childish ways. For now we see a mirror dimly, but then face to face. So right now, everything, our understanding about God, about His Word and everything, is still like a dim mirror. But time will come, everything will be made clear. And that is, of course, later on when we're with Christ in heaven. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even I have, I have been fully known. We don't have time to go through this portion of this passage because there's still a lot of things we need to talk about. But verse 13 says, So now faith, hope, and love abide. This three, but the greatest of this is love. Why do you think love is the greatest? Because of all the three there, faith, hope, and love, it's only love that is eternal. Faith is not eternal. Hope is not eternal. Faith is only for earth. Hope is only for earth. Did you, did you know that? You don't need faith in heaven, by the way. Kailangan mo ba ng faith ng heaven sa heaven? No. The, the kind of faith we have here is not the kind of faith you'll have in heaven. Of course, you, need to, you can trust God. You still trust God in heaven. But faith is something that you are hoping, you know, you know the definition of faith, right? That is yet unseen. But in heaven, your faith becomes reality. Diba? What you're hoping for right now in heaven, nangyari na. Totoo na. So you don't really need faith and hope in heaven. Kasi everything that you are imagining, you can see. Everything that you're hoping for is realized. But love, you still need to love in heaven. Because <laughs> this is the only thing that will last forever. Love. Of course, right now we need faith and hope. Right? Kailangan natin yan ngayon. Did you know that there are more than 30 one another commands in the Bible? I don't have to go through each of it, but we did that study on that a long time ago. There are more than 30 one another commands in the Bible. You know, love one another, forgive one another, uh, admonish one another, encourage one another. There's 30 plus of that. More than the Ten Commandments. And that one, those one another commands can only be applied in the fellowship of believers. How can you obey, love one another if you're just in your house alone? You're going to say, forgive one another and you're alone all the time. How can you forgive another person if you're not related to any other pe person, particularly believers in Christ? You cannot obey those 30 plus commands if you're not in fellowship with other Christians. And if you go to a church, I've said this many times in my sermon, but if you go to a church and you don't know anyone there, and you just show up there, listen to the sermon, listen to the homily, then after the service, peace be with you, you go home. Can you apply those 30 plus 
one another commands. If you're just that kind of Christian who would show up in church, then go home afterwards. Can you literally apply that? Can you confess your sins to one another? Can you confess to those people there? You know, I confess that I nagnakaw sa nanay ko. You will not ever do that, you don't know those people. Right? Oh, nakaw, by the way, I confess that I took money from my mom or something. For those who don't understand Tagalog. Okay. So love is expressed in fellowship. Love for God, love for others, it is in fellowship. Oh, sorry. What happened? Crush? Crash? Okay. Uh, go to the third one, Josh. Uh, third one. Faith. This is one of the rewards of fellowship. Faith. Let, let's go through... Uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians 12, 45. Uh, was it 45? No, there's no 45 in 12. 4 to 5. <laughs> uh, right now, I just have my devotional notebook as my notes. I don't have, so it's all scribbles, not typewritten. So, sorry, I, sometimes I cannot read my writing. Um, 12, 4 to 5. It says here, let's just... Start with verse 1. It's talking, talking about spiritual gifts. Um, it says here, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brother, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray by mute idols. Uh, mute idols, however, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, Jesus is a curse. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Verse 4. This is the passage. Now there are varieties of gifts, but once, uh, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but the same God empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For the common good. Now let's go to Verse uh, 25 of that same chapter. That there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. It says there that this entire passage talks about the body of Christ and and. The purpose of each member of the body is for the common good. It is to build the church up as a whole, but to build you individually. And God has designed the church in such a way that each of you has a contribution to the spiritual maturity, to the growth of the faith of a single believer in the church. Each of you has a contribution to my spiritual growth. John has a contribution to my spiritual growth. David has a contribution to my spiritual growth. Each of you has a purpose in the body of Christ. You have a role in building up every person in the church. And it's a collective effort. All of us as a body of Christ. You know, Jesus used Christ. Paul here, of course, it is Christ. Uses the, the human body as, an, as a metaphor for, 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 for the church. Kung kakati yung kung makati yung yung ilong mo, anong gagawin? You're just gonna say ilong, take care of yourself, right? Hindi <laughs> ganon, di ba? It doesn't work that way. If your if your nose is itchy, 
You, didn't, you, you don't just tell the nose, nose figure things out on your own. <laughs> your hand <laughs> takes over. <laughs> now, if if you're older, and then it's going to be harder, right? So your hand tries to reach that. I'm gonna, This is what the church is, right? We, in fact, in verse 25, it says, we care for one another. We care for one another. Verse 25, let me go back to that. I got lost. Oh, no. 12? Sorry, 1225. Says here that there should be no division in the body, that we work together. We work together. Uh, no division. But that the members may have same care. Listen to that statement. Same care for one another. We don't just give one person special treatment. Oh, let's Let's uh, give more care to this guy because he'll give $1 million to our church building fund. Then let's give him extra Bible study, extra visitation. <laughs> Doesn't work that way. We have same care for one another. That's how faith grows. It is not just pastoral that helps you grow in your faith. It is the entire church. Good and bad. <laughs> I'm going to show you later on during when we talk about the rest. In our church, you have a role. You might think you might not have any role, but you have. Maybe in the obvious. But you eventually, it will be made clear. But in our church, we, we function as a body. You know, Ariel there and Josh, they're taking care of our media. We have ladies here, like, you know, like Ate Setil, Nanay Tess, and Ate Loida, and Nanay Presi, they're in charge of our food. You know, we have our teachers there back, teaching our kids, Renell and Faith, with our youth. You know, it is helping us one another. You don't have to worry about your little kids running around here because someone is taking care of them. And I don't have to worry about inter being interrupted by, by a small preacher here, right? Because sometimes they preach also, <laughs> A very, that's a very strong sermon. <laughs> so, this is the body of Christ. We are doing certain things to build up the faith of the church collectively as a whole and individually. Kahit yung mga bad things sometimes you might be doing as a church. Like you offend someone. When you offend someone, that's also helping that person build his faith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, also verse 14, 3 to 5. Let's go there. It says here, um, On the other hand, one who has prophecies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in tongue builds himself up. Uh, who... who Builds himself, but the one who prophesies builds the church. So prophecy, prophesy, is really the preaching of the word of God. I, I, I know you might be confused by that, but that is really the preaching of the word of God, like what I'm doing right now. But it says here, it is the preaching of the word of God that, that builds up the church. It is the preaching of God that builds up the church. Because we know the word of God cleanses us, sanctifies us, 
builds us up. We know that. It is food for our soul, you know, bread of life. So, so that can only happen in the church because the pastor, my ministry is towards the church as a whole. You rarely find a pastor, you know, ministering to one person and that is his ministry. Then next week he goes to another person and that's his ministry. Maybe some cases. But the ministry of a pastor is really towards the entire church. And that's the ministry of the apostle. That's the ministry of the evangelist. That's the ministry of, of teachers, you know, in the church. It's a ministry towards the entire church. That is why here's one thing that we've learned recently that I'm learning more as well. That if you find a minister, a pastor, or a church, you know, some kind of a Christian leader or an evangelist, but they're not connected with the church, I'll probably stay away from that person. Like Derek, for instance, it, it's a very, he's a very good example. Derek and his family, they're missionaries in the Philippines. But even as a missionary, he is still connected to a church. And, and of course, he's connected to us here while he's here, but he's also connected to CCF in the Philippines. So, so as a missionary, he is connected to a church. But there are many missionaries that are connect, not connected to the church, or even evangelists that are connected to a church. And that's dangerous. Because it's not how God designed us to do ministry. God's design for ministry is always connected to the body of Christ, to the church. That is God's design. Kasi walang accountability. That missionary can do whatever he wants without being accountable to what he's gonna do. And that's a dangerous situation. Lastly, on... Uh, uh, it's running out. Okay. Yeah, it talks about the sanctification of the word. Ephesians 5.26 that, that he might be... Uh, so, so it talks about the word of God sanctifying, cleansing us. It's like washing your soul. Whenever the word of God is being preached, it washes you. Parang Clorox, parang, you know, like Clorox or, or water. Lastly, service. It is through the church that we serve. We do ministry. We do ministry. And it is through the church also we support ministries and ministers. That is why you give part of your income to the church. Remember the Levites? They were doing ministry in Israel. 10% of the income of all the other tribes are given to the Levites, the tribe of Levi, because they need the financial support to do ministry. And that's why when you are in a church, you, that's your, it's your responsibility to financially support the church. It is a command of God. Especially that's the church that is helping you grow in your faith. In fact, in fact, that is a right Paul is talking about here. This is what Paul is saying in, in, in look at verse 11 of chapter 9. Chapter 9, verse 11. 1 Corinthians 9:11. If we have sown spiritual things among, among you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? Paul is saying, kung nagbibigay kami ng spiritual things, if we give you spiritual things, isn't too much that we'll, we'll also ask material things from you, financial things from you? If others share the right claim on you, do not we even more? Kung, kung others has a claim on you, do we not also deserve that claim? Meaning Paul is saying, you know, if we are doing this to you, don't we deserve to receive also? 
the material things or financial support from you. And, and it is true the church that missionaries are supported, pastors are supported, Christian ministry is being supported. It is through the church. That's why it's a responsibility of every Christian to financially support the church. Because it's a, not only it's a command from God, but it is how, 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 how the church works also in this world. Uh, 9, verse 15 to 16. This is interesting here because although the Apostle Paul has a claim for support, he actually says this. He said, But I have made no use of these rights, nor I am writing these things to secure such provision, for I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of any, any ground for boasting. Meaning Paul, he, did, he actually didn't get support because he had a business. He had a tent-making business and he was able to support himself financially. That's why he is, he is not getting support from the church. But he says, but this is a right that I should have. Paul is saying, this is a right that I have to receive support from you. But I'm not taking advantage of this. In fact, the money that was supposed to go to him, he used it to send to Jerusalem probably because he was raising money to help the church in Jerusalem. And, and so, as a church, we also, this is, through the fellowship, we do ministry to support not only ourselves, but support other churches and other ministries. That's what we're doing. We are supporting a few churches in the Philippines, missionaries. This is what we're doing. Because this is how, you see this in Scripture, happening in Scripture, and we are simply following what's being taught in Scripture as well. Okay? So, let's move on. Uh, hope I can go through this quickly. The risks of fellowship. So what are the risks of fellowship? So those are the, you, you, you saw the rewards of fellowship. You know, we had, uh, we learned about worship in fellowship. You know, um, service, building off of the faith, and love of God. Expression of your love for God. Growth in your love for God and others. So what about the, 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 the risks? These are the risks of fellowship. First one is division. 1 Corinthians 1.12. Look at what, what's going on here. In, 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 in the church of Corinth, there were cliques. There were factions. There was a division. Because some people, it says here in, in verse 12, um, what I mean is that, let me read, uh, go back to the prior passage prior verses, I appeal to you brothers by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that all of you agree that there will be no divisions among you but that you be united in the same mind and same judgment for it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you while wow, there's quarreling within the church what I mean is that each one of you says I follow Paul I follow Apollos, I follow Christ I follow Cephas. So people there are, are grouping into small groups and saying, hey, I follow Apollos. Hey, I follow Christ. Hey, I follow Paul. Then, then Paul says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Paul is saying, this is not a good thing, but this is a reality. The churches, they're gonna be, there's going to be division within churches as well. I hope this, is, this, this kind of thing is not going to happen to us. 
I hope in the future, none of us are going to say, oh, I follow Carlo, or I follow Pastoral, or I follow Renel. And you, we begin to fight against one another kasi iba-iba yung mga loyalties natin. It is not God's purpose to cause division in the church. It's not His will. But when that happens, there's a silver lining here. Because it is through division also within the church that those who are genuine will be revealed. Yung mga totoong Christians will be revealed. Listen to verse 19 on, on that... On, uh, um, I think 11, sorry, 11.19. I think it's in 11. Let me try to go there. Okay, it's the right verse. Uh, 11.19 of Corinthians. Let me read again the context starting with verse 17. Uh, verse, uh, chapter 11, again, chapter 11, verse 19. He talk, again, Paul talks about the division. He, he came back again to the, to the discussion on division here in that, was, that started in chapter 1. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as, as a church, I hear that there is division among you. And I believe it in part. Sabi niya, narinig ko nga, you as a church, you are divided. And I believe that is true, Paul is saying. Verse 19, For there must be Factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. So, so even though this is a negative thing happening to the church, but God still has a good purpose sa division. Because John lalabas kung sinong totoo at sinong fake. Right? And hopefully those who are not real Christians causing the problem, I hope they leave. I hope they leave. Because they're going to be a problem. I, 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 there was, there, I, I heard this a few stories about different churches. Like there was one, I'm going to mention the name of the pastor, but, but you know him. He's a well-known pastor in the world. But when he started his church, uh, when, uh, so when he started pastoring a church, that was an old church. But when he came and pastored a church, some of the leaders didn't like him. Well, some of the leaders, some leaders like him, but some didn't like him. And, and in the process of being a new pastor, and a few, you know, I think weeks, months being in that new church, eventually factions were developed. The Corona division, and, 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 and there were lots of problems within the church because of the factions. But, also, but, but eventually, those who were, who were against him, they decided to leave the church. And so a lot of members left, and a lot of, I think a lot of, many of the leaders left, but I think some of the many members stayed. Don't quote me on this, but not just here, But what happened, even though there was a decrease in leadership and membership, the church began to grow in the right way. And yung mga nangdun pala, they were the ones who was entering the ministry. And even another church locally here in Austin, big church as well, he is a new pastor, he started pastoring his church. His church was in the thousands, like maybe more than 2,000 members. But when he began to pastor, there was disagreement and especially dislike with relation to the pastor and how he did things. You know, the church from thousands reduced down to, to hundreds, 700, and they had to close. They had a big building. They had to close all the pews, and only the middle pew area, area was opened, and they just had to put uh, you know, white, uh, yellow tape inside the church because 
thousands to seven hundred, you got lots of plenty of you know empty chairs. Because a lot of people left. But I believe, at least based on what I because I know him personally, um, that because those members left, the church began to grow healthy. Mas tama yung growth niya. Because God didn't want those people to be there to begin with. So division, even though it's bad, it's not God's will, it is not according to God's purpose, but there's still good that can come out of it. Another, another, and this was happening in the Corinthian church. This is a reality back then. This is a reality today. But I hope our church will not go through this. There's going to be conflict within the church as well. That's one of the risks of being in fellowship because you're close to one another. You know one another very well. There's going to be conflict. And the reason is we are on a different level in our Christian walk. Some of you are immature. That's the truth. And some of you are mature. And, and what happens in churches, there's going to be envy. There's going to be jealousy. There's going to be strife. You might see someone with a very nice dress and you're going to say, oh, I don't like her. She dresses very nice. Materialistic. That is immaturity. Immature. But the thing is, that's a reality. But the thing is, God uses that to grow you as a Christian. That's why yung mga ganitong problema, jealousy, conflict, divisions, they're negative. Those are not reasons for you to leave a church. Those are not reasons for you to just find another church and say, oh, I don't want this church. There are problems here. There's jealousy. There's conflict. There's divisions. Maybe if the pastor is not preaching the gospel, then leave that church. That's, an, that's probably the only reason. But these things is also part of your growth as a Christian. That's, because these things are normal. These things, normal to real life, it's also happening in the church. Do you have conflicts with your brother or sister at home? Do you have a, do you have a jealousy among your siblings? Abai? Yeah. Yeah. And why would that be? Bakit walang ganun sa church? <laughs> if that happens at home, that can happen here. But what's, what's amazing is God can use that to grow you as a Christian, to strengthen you as a Christian. Kasi dyan develop yung forbearance, your patience. Diba? How can you develop patience if no one in the church offends you or hurts you or if no one in the church makes you impatient? How can you develop your patience to begin with? How can you develop your, for, your forgiving heart if there's no one to forgive? <laughs> right? How can you learn to, to, uh, to, to, to love the unlovable, to love your enemies kung wala ka namang enemies sa church? I hope you're, I don't know you have enemies here, but it can happen, right? Totoo, di ba? How can you develop? Kasi in church, it's a learning place also. So how can you, these are things hard to learn out there, but it's easy to learn within the church. Kasi mga tao sa simbahan, forgiving. Kahit sintonado, mga singers, kung sintonado ang nagkakamali yung mga musicians and sintonado yung singers, oh, oh English, uh, even the musicians make mistakes and singers, they are out of tunes, out of tune. The church is forgiving. Right? If you're gonna find, if you're gonna be in Hollywood or somewhere, they're gonna be kicked out. Sintonado, <laughs> But in church, forgiving. <laughs> Three, 
obstacles. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't go to the verse, but let's go to verse eight, uh, chapter 8, verse 9. And by the way, that Corinthians, yeah, let's just go directly here. 8, verse 9. Uh, it says here that, but take care that this right, uh, let me read the context again, 7. However, not all possess this knowledge, but some, through former association with idols, eat food that are really offered to idols, and their conscience being weak is defiled. Food will not be, food will not commend us to God. We are not worse off if we do not eat, nor better if we do. But take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. There's also a possibility in the church that, that you will stumble, you will, you will cause someone else to stumble. Ma-affected yung Christian life niya. Maybe, maybe, you know, someone saw you getting drunk, for instance. Oh, I don't like to go to church kasi yung leader namin, si Carlo, nakita ko lasing. He's drunk. I saw him at the bar and he was very drunk. He said, I'm not going to go to church anymore. Ah. I mean, that's an extreme example, but that should not be a reason for you to not go to church because that's Carlos' problem, right? That's not the problem. That you're... <laughs> but, but, but sometimes, you know, here's another thing. You know, there are people in the church that are, are maybe they struggled with alcohol in the past. And now here comes someone who comes to church and, you know, drinks beer. You know, if you're not getting drunk with beer, I don't think that's really sinful to... I'm not going to judge you or admit, call you sinful if you're drinking beer. But what if that drinking of beer is causing someone else to sin? Causing someone else who's struggling with alcohol and, and saying, oh, I'm tempted to drink alcohol because I saw someone drinking beer at church or drinking wine or whatever. And the Bible tells us that even though there's nothing wrong in doing that on your part, and you know, you can, I don't want us to do it here physically in the church, but maybe somewhere else. But if that is offending someone in the church as a mature Christian, you should not do it. Because Paul is saying here, he says, um, It says here, if in his conscience, there's someone who has a conscience is weak, his heart is weak and offended because of what you're doing. But he says in verse 11, and so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. He said, are you willing to drink beer, but one of your brothers, faith is going to be destroyed because of what you've done. As a Christian, you should be willing to deny your pleasures and not exercise your rights for the sake of the faith of your fellow brothers and sisters. That is what mature Christian would do. Because here in the church, tendency in some churches, this is my right, there's nothing wrong with this, I will do this. But what if what you're about to do is going to destroy the faith of someone else? A mature Christian would deny himself those rights. Because that is one, what it means to sacrifice for Christ. That's why in the Christian church, um, let me see the last one. Let me just let, let me just end here. In the Corinthian church, there was even lawsuits among believers. They were suing one another. 
But you know what Paul is saying to us in the book of Corinthians? You should be willing to be defrauded by your brother. See that? You need to be willing to be defrauded by your own brother. Kung nagdakaw yung brother mo from you, you must be willing to forgive that person and be willing to be knocked out by your brother and not sue that person. That is what it means to be a Christian. Yes, of course, you have to talk to pastoral and I will talk to that person, but don't bring that issue to the judge. Don't call the police or things like that. Unless it's something beyond our ability to handle, maybe there was a murder in the church. I hope not. none of that happened. <laughs> maybe that's another story. But you see the point, right? Paul is saying we need to be willing to be defrauded, in fact. And still remain loving to one another. It's hard, but this is what's demanded of us. And lastly, one of the risks of fellowship is your sin is being exposed. Your sin is going to be exposed. That's going to happen in our conversation, in our Bible study. In our Bible, in our discipleship, we talk about this because that is what it is. This is what we need. This is our responsive 1424. It says here, let me, this is my last part. Bear with me. I'm, I'm done here. 24 says, but if all prophecy and uh, if all prophesy and an unbeliever outsider enters, he is convicted by all and is called to account by all the secrets of his heart's are disclosed. And you know, that's what we do in ministry. We disclose the secrets of man's heart through the preaching of his word, to the teaching of his word. And so these are the risks of fellowship, but this is all part of God's plan. Amen? It's all part of God's plan. This is how you're going to grow. You're going to have the rewards of fellowship, but you're going to also have all these risks. And, and some of these are not part, it's not, it's not really... God's will that will have division and factions and envy and those kinds of things and offending one another and suing one another. It's not, it's not God's intention to, for us to have those kinds of things. But God can use that to grow you as a Christian, to mature you as a Christian, to strengthen you in faith. That's why even if there are things like this happening, which I know there's nothing like this happening yet in our church. We're all santo. Um, not the, but when this happens, it should not be a reason for us to say, I give. Because God uses that to change you. And you're going to miss the opportunity of spiritual growth when you run away. Let us pray. Father God, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, for, Lord, for guiding Paul and writing the letter of Corinthians, God, 1 Corinthians. Oh God, there's so much, there's so much more. Oh God, this message, oh God, you have for us. There's so much more in this message that has not been said, Lord. My Lord, we thank you that you made it clear to us that we must be willing, Lord, not only to accept the rewards of fellowship, but we also must be willing to accept the risks of fellowship the risk of being close to one another, the risk of loving one another, Lord. Because, Lord, we can, we'll be exposing our hearts to one another. We'll be exposing.
exposing our, 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 the core of who we are, our lives to one another. All our, all our darkness and light, all our warts and good and bad side of us is going to be exposed to one another, Lord. And sometimes it can cause division, envy, jealousy, factions, quarrels. And that's the reality, Lord. And this happened in the New Testament church. This can happen to churches today. When we begin to learn to love one another and be close to one another the way Christ wants us to be. But Lord, we ask for your grace. We ask for your power. We ask for your strength, oh God. That Lord, even though these things can happen and these things might happen, Lord God. Lord, we pray that we'll remain standing faithful to you, loving even the unlovable, loving even our enemies. Lord, forbearing one another, O oh God. Lord, be willing to be defrauded, Lord God, even if someone does something bad against us. O oh God, that's... My Lord, help us. This is not easy. This is not easy, Lord. And help us also to be careful in how we live, Lord, that we will not become the offender, Lord. We will not be the one who will uh, cause someone to, be stump to stumble. We will not be the one, Lord, who will, who will who defraud someone else. Help us, Lord. Help us. That we will live a life that is holy, pleasing, acceptable before you. And also, Lord, holy before other men. Or other people, Lord. And help us to truly love you with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Help us also to love one another the way Jesus sacrificially loved us. This is not easy, Lord, but by your grace, we can do this. By your power, we can do this, Lord, as a church, as River Life Church. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all rise up. As we come to Lord's table, um, uh, where's Irwin? Can you yeah, play a song? As we celebrate our Lord's Supper, um, pray that you have your uh, cups and and bread and and those who are watching us online uh, if you have a juice and bread ready as well and join us um, we just read this passage earlier and and I would like us to go to this again first um, Corinthians uh, 11 verse 23 but before that let me let's pray father God we come to you in the name of Jesus Lord all glory honor be to you Lord Thank you, Lord, that uh, for me, oh God, you have clarified a lot of things in my life. And Lord, Lord, that my per first per mission as a pastor, my first responsibility as a pastor, Lord, is simply, Lord God, to preach the gospel so that people, oh God, will come to know you and will be in heaven. And to encourage people to live a holy life. And Lord, it sums up pretty much my first priority as a pastor. 
And I pray, Lord God, that this is also the kind of heart where each of us will have. Let it be our desire to preach the gospel so that people who are once lost will find eternal life, will have eternal life in Christ. And they will go to heaven as we, as we are, Lord God. But Lord, help us also to be an encourager, O oh God, of the brethren, Lord, that encourage one another to live a life that is holy, pleasing before you, Lord. Cleanse our heart this afternoon, Lord. Cleanse our heart. That as we take these elements, Lord, we take this in a worthy manner, Lord, with a pure heart, that, that there's no guilt in our heart, Lord. So church, I encourage you to this moment to confess any kind of sin. Be specific. Any sin that you committed before God. Because we are commanded to take these elements in a worthy manner. If there's unforgiveness in your heart, deal with it. Confess it before the Lord. If there's any kind of sin that's making your heart guilty this very moment. Scripture reminds, tells us that we confess our sins. The Lord is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yes, the Lord cleanses us from sin. Yes, He forgives us. But we cannot go on sinning because though you, you're not going to face eternal consequence for your sin, but there's going to be consequence for your sin in this life. And you don't want that. You don't want God's discipline. You don't want God's consequence for whatever sin you committed in this life. It will hinder you your ministry, hinder you knowing God, growing in Him. Lord, we thank you for your body broken for us. Your blood shed on the cross for our sake, Lord. You know, one of the things, one of the blessings, one of the rewards of fellowship is the passing down of teachings from the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever I received from my pastor back then is I'm passing it on to you. But he himself received it from someone else. And this passing of faith, passing of the teachings of Christ through discipleship, this goes back to Jesus Himself who passed on these teachings to His 12 disciples and His disciples passed it on to others. And that's why Paul says these words, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you. This is the passing on of the teachings of Christ from the disciples and now it from the first 12 disciples and now to the Apostle Paul. And now he passes, passes this on to the Corinthian church and this is being passed to you as well. Christians of River Life. Now the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us remember the body of our Lord Jesus Christ broken on the cross that we may have life, that we may be healed, that we may have salvation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your body broken for us. Let's take the bread together. And our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. (sighs) 
He was pierced for our transgressions. He was chastised for our sin. We know that he was lashed by the Roman soldiers and blood came out of him. He shed his blood on the cross to pay for your sins, pay for the price of your sins. It says here in verse 25, in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This is Jesus who did this actually in the upper room. He took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it. Why do we do, need to do this as often? In remembrance of him, in remembrance of what he's done on the cross. When he shed his precious blood. For our sins. Let's drink this juice together. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All glory be to you, O Lord Jesus, the Son of the living God. All glory be to you, O Father in heaven, seated on the throne before the 24 elders, before the cherubims, before the hosts of heaven, we worship you. We worship you, O God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We worship you, Lord Jesus, Son of the living God, the Lamb of God. Oh, we worship you, Holy Spirit. That on the day of Pentecost, you were sent down to earth, to us. That through you, we are born again. Through you, we are given new life. That through you, a new spirit has birthed within us. And now we are new creatures, creation in Christ. The old is past and the new has come. Thank you. And help us, Lord, from this day to the rest of our days in this world, to live a holy, God-honoring, God-pleasing life. The Lord, we will truly experience what Jesus promised, that we will have life and life to the full. We want to experience full, the fullness of the abundant life, oh God, you promise. Experiencing the fullness of all the spiritual blessings you have, you have purpose for us, oh God, in Ephesians 1. And Lord, I pray that the fullness of joy that you also promised to us, Lord, all of us will experience this, Lord overflowing joy oh God wisdom that comes from your spirit Lord in every decision we're going to make every situation in our life we will have the wisdom of God the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and that whenever we speak we glorify the Lord and the people when they see our lives when they hear us speak they will see Christ they will see the light and glory of Christ in us in each of us, oh God. And that Lord, through our testimony, through our life, oh God, they'll be drawn to you. They'll be drawn to Christ. Lord, we ask for this, oh God, for each of us, each of members of River Life, Lord, even those who are listening online, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your word. 
Thank you for your presence. Thank you for this moment of remembrance, Lord. May your grace be with us, upon us this day, until the rest of our week, and everything we do. Your power leading, guiding, strengthening us. Power of your Holy Spirit. Till we meet again. In Jesus' name. Amen.